Welcome to the vineyard. I'd like to take a moment and see who's here. I don't get to wander the way I used to to say hello, but uh, but I can do it from here and I can see you and I'm very glad to see you and I'm welcome and welcome everybody joining us online. Let me say before I get going too, uh, another round of phony emails ran out from me. So I do not send out emails and texts. I just don't, okay, to, that ask you to do things or, you know, random favors or I'm in a meeting. Don't, you know, the last one was, hey, I'm in a meeting. I need a favor. Don't call me on my phone line. Just respond to this message. And uh, never me, okay? If it's not me, don't ever think of it's me and not going to happen, all right? I will almost always just talk to you when I'm here. So, uh, so let's leave it at that. Don't respond to emails or texts, it's a, they won't seem to let it go, and they keep getting better with the return email address, so they keep getting closer and closer to the real thing. So just ignore them, okay? Is that everybody watching YouTube, I don't do that. Cool. You need to know that we started a new series last week called Keep in Step, and um, oh, before I do this, thank you. We, had our, we did our um, Fall Festival outreach Friday. And so we, the church, you guys, we, we put together 550 bags of uh, candy. Now, we had the bags made, so they had Keith's Vineyard on them, so they were vineyard bags and the little Grape Guy logo. And then be, along with the candy, they also put in a Sunday school craft, uh, craft and a little Jesus stamp in there. So that was in all the bags. So we did our drive through giveaway Friday, which was cool. We got to bless a lot of people. We had, we had candy left. A significant amount of candy left, probably half of what we had left. So um, last night we sent it out into one of the neighborhoods here on Big Pine with the tent and everything, and we gave, and they took all of that went away as well. So uh, I love that stuff. Good job, church. And uh, there was over a hundred pieces of candy in each one of those bags. So you guys did a great job and uh, got to bless a lot of kids. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And uh, got an outreach coming up uh, this month in November. Is it November? Yes, in November. Three weeks, we're going to do a, a Thanksgiving dessert drive through giveaway. We're not going to do the whole meal thing. It's too, too much, too many pieces. But we're partnering again with Chef Matt, and he's going to come up with a, he's coming up with a recipe for a pumpkin bread pudding. And uh, everything in it is fattening. He said it's got marshmallows in it and heavy cream and, and you know, and I'm like, okay, great. So... Uh, but it should be really good. And so what we'll do is we'll give all the ingredients away with the recipe and a little vineyard, a uh, little video that Matt will do about how to bake it. It's kind of fun. We did all that during we did. That's how we did all the meals during our, our uh, big stretch during uh, the beginning of COVID. So that'll come up on the 21st. So we're looking forward to that. OK, um, new series. Keep in step. You know, if we live by the spirit, we're to keep in step with the spirit. And we're building off of the last series, which was all about really knowing his story. And we spent 18 weeks in there. We called it a foundational story to know how from the beginning to end, how it all ties together. And now that you know the bigger story, I think what happens is that scripture really comes alive in ways that it might not have before. And so I started this series last week and it will be the thrust of this series, encouraging you to read the Bible. That. It's not a judgment thing, but a lot of believers, even ones that have walked for a long, long time with the Lord, haven't read through the Bible. They just haven't read the whole thing. They've read parts of it. They might read it all the time, but they've not actually read through it. And I, <clears throat> the challenge from last week was there's a, the only one who doesn't want you to read the Bible is the enemy. And he's, if you haven't read it, you've got to start thinking that it's, there's an attack going on to that whole process because you read other stuff and other things going on. Why is this hard? 
because the enemy doesn't want you to do it. So it's like, why can prayer be difficult sometimes? Because the enemy doesn't want you to do it. He's, so there's pressure there. And so we have to realize that, and we press through, and we, we, um, we, we press in. And I um, had a lot of great questions about how to read last week in the Vine Press thing. You know, do you have a plan? And um, I do have a, there's a book you can download now. We, have, we stopped printing them called... Um, Daily Strength Training, where I, I do have a little Bible reading plan you can follow. It's got a day and a nighttime reading if you want. But my recommendation, if you haven't read through the Scripture, to read through it the first time is just this. Just start with the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Start right there and do your best to read 15 minutes a day. Read 15 minutes and then bookmark wherever you finish. Pick it up there the next time that you read. Try and do it six times a week. If you don't, don't worry about it. You don't have to double up, triple up or anything. You'll get through it. Read through the New Testament. Set a good habit. Once you've read through that, go back and start with Genesis 1.1 and then read through the entire Old Testament. I got some great comments. Like one, one person told me that they've read Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 15 probably 20 times. And that's where they stop. And, uh, and other people often will read and they get stopped in Leviticus or they get stopped in Numbers. Um, or they, maybe they make it further and then the Chronicles or the Kings come and just put them down. Listen, press through because it's worth it. And, and now that you know the story, it'll open up. And this other very important thing, and I, I mentioned it some but not all the time last weekend. When you sit down to read, very simply say, Holy Spirit, will you help me see what I need to see today? And he will. And it also will help you sort of in your relationship with him. Just making that connection. And, and then just engage and read. And if you have questions, use Vine Press questions to ask them so you don't get stuck. That's another reason people stop. Is that, Well, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's, uh, sometimes it needs to be explained. We'll actually talk about that a little next week. But I want you to read that and to check in. So we're going to talk more about the importance of uh, plugging into Scripture and, uh, today and throughout this first few weeks in the beginning of this series. Bad uh, joke time or silly thought. Uh, uh, nothing tops a plain pizza. I took uh, Alice to the eye doctor. I did a couple of days ago. And I was trying to think of an optometrist joke, but they just kept getting cornea and cornea. Ooh. I heard somebody go, ooh. You know what else goes, ooh? A cow with no lips. <laughs> that one's funny. Yeah. Pastor Billy sent me that. i got to give him credit. I usually only give him credit when they're really bad. But I was waiting to tell good them. Good one, though. Alice, my love, would yeah. you please pray for us, and then uh, we'll do the scripture. Yes, I did go to the eye doctor this week. The worst part is when they make your eyes dilate. If you, oh, and you, like for two hours, you're like blinded by the light. And uh, yeah, but I'm glad that's over. And I did get new glasses. Yeah. Actually, Steve picked them out because how do you pick out glasses when the only way you can see is with your glasses on? It's tricky. So I'm hoping they're okay. So when you see her new glasses, you need to say, those look amazing. Yeah, right. Well. Because all I did was look for the absolute cheapest ones. And you these did, are the ones. No. These are, ooh, these ones. No. He knows me way too well to do that. <laughs> I got the, if you know my wife, I found the ones that sparkle the yeah, most. They do have a little sparkle on them. All right. Let's focus then on God this morning before we read the word, shall we? Thank you, Father. Let your kingdom come. Let your breakthrough happen in our lives today, Father. We thank you that when we focus on you, Lord, and when we we stay in the shadow of your wings, Father, there is always peace. And it is well with our soul. 
Father, that whatever is going on in our lives or around us, Father, it can be well with our soul. We thank you, Father, that we belong to you. And we always have a home and we always have a place of belonging. Father, I just ask that you bless this day, bless this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, last week... I, I wanted to reintroduce something that we always used to do, and then, then we stopped. But it, we're talking about the scripture and how we honor the word and everything. And so um, what we want to invite you to do is, if you're able, would you please stand for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the book of Second Kings, chapter 22, 8 through 13. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it, and then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book, and Shaphan read read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, the priest. To Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Blessed be the word of God. You may be seated. All right. So let me uh, let's just connect with the story a little bit about what's going on here and where, how that scripture reading ties in. So um, this is about uh, King Josiah. Uh, it's in his time, and he actually became king when he was eight. Uh, kind of young to be king, but he had some good advisors, and he was a good king. Uh, and uh, he did some good stuff. Uh, at the end, he kind of blew it a little, but who hasn't? Um, so he did some good stuff. And anyway, when he's 18, uh, he decides that he wants to get the temple fixed up. It's important to him to get the temple fixed up. And so there's money there because they've had a little fun for that. And he, he tells them, listen, release the funds to the workers and let them get the temple fixed up. He, and so he's thinking about cleaning up the outside of the temple. Well, while they're doing that, they find a copy of the book of the law or the book of the covenant. And if you remember last week, I said to you, most likely that's Deuteronomy. When you read about the book of the law, it's usually Deuteronomy. It could mean the whole Pentateuch, you know, the first five, but it's quite often Deuteronomy. And that Deuteronomy was uh, the word of God given to the people just before they entered into the promised land. And, and really what it was, it was how they were supposed to live. It was, uh, it was to people who had already been rescued and, and delivered and saved. And now this is how God wanted them to live. So they could understand what it meant to be human. Because they, their last 400 years of experience was in a very inhuman type environment and culture. And so God wants them to know what he thinks life should look like. What it's intended to be. He's going to come and model it for us in Jesus so we get another big look. But that's what he's doing. That's what he's telling them. And he says, listen, if you live this way, your life's going to be better than if you live the other way. 
And, and he's just saying, because this is what you were created to live like. This is what humanity was intended to be. Remember, it's all got that, that thing about loving God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving, you know, loving your neighbor, yourself. All of that's sort of in the ideas that are going on there. And remember, too, I said that um, Moses, he, his whole thing was, listen, what you need to do is you need to share this with your children. You need to take in, you need to read it day and night. You need, before you, as you're getting up, as you're going to sleep, throughout the day, whenever you're doing anything, think about the Word. Put it on your doorpost and on your gate. So on the way in, on the way out, you think about the Word. It just becomes, you know, have it on your hand and on your mind so, so that it's just a constant. Because it needs to be a constant part of your life. The, the Word of God shapes your life and forms your life. And you need to hang on to it so that you know what's going on. Well, now we're up to uh, Josiah, as I said, as king. So about 800 years, more or less, since the Exodus. And guess what? They haven't got a clue about the word of the Lord. They've let it go somehow. Because as they're cleaning up the temple, they find a copy of the book of the law. And it's a, like a revelation. Look, we found something that, that we, we didn't know of. And you've got to get in the picture, too, that uh, it's, a, it's a great picture because... Um, you know, Josiah's idea was to clean up the outside of the temple, but God's idea was to get the inside all cleaned up. And that's pretty much something you can go by. We often will sort of settle for an outside cleanup of something that needs to be fixed inside, uh, which is us. And Holy Spirit wants to fix us from the inside out. And so all that kind of picture is here, but they, they find a copy of Deuteronomy. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so... Uh, 228, Hilkiah, the high priest, says to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord, and he gave it to Shaphan, who read it. So they find this amazing book, and it's a big discovery, and, uh, and again, so catch that they have not done what they were supposed to do from when they went into the promised land, which was hang on the word of God. You need to hang on to it, and why it's so important. And it, it actually can be a little off-putting, I think, when you think about it, that it how quickly they can, these are the people of God, how quickly really they can lose track of everything. And then, you know, it reinforces why it's so important that we teach our children, that, that it becomes a part of our lives, that it goes, it's our heartbeat, and it, you know, it gets into our heart, into our minds, and into our lives, so that we don't lose sight of it. Because in effect, in about a generation, you can lose it. And... Uh, that's why we need to stay into it. And so, and we also need to know this, secondly, that the word is for everyone. We're going to touch more on that next week as well. But it's for everybody. Everybody needs to sort of get a hold of this book. And in 2 Kings 23, verse 1, it says this. Uh, then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and he went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to um, follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes and decrees with all his heart and with all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book, and then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. And, and so this, this major deal happens. They find it, they read it, and, and it's for everyone. He gathers everyone. The king gathers everyone, not just the priests, not just the prophets. He gathers everyone from the least to the greatest. Everyone needs to know the word, and that's true today. You, you can't rely solely on the priests and the prophets and the kings 
to give you the word uh, that you need. You need to know it for yourself. Now, what we'll see next week, it's good to have some people maybe help us understand it sometimes, but you need to have the word. Because the problem is, if you're relying on the priests and the prophets and the kings, um, if you get some bad priests and prophets and kings, they can separate you from the word. And the church has a history of that. I can talk about the church because we're a part. Uh, I tell you all the time, I'm blessed to be a part of a 2,000-year-old amazing family that's, that, and that we're here because parts of the church have always been faithful. But parts have gotten away from it. And there was a time in history when the word, uh, not that many years ago, really, when you think about it, 500 years ago. So you don't put that into sort of thoughts when I talk about 800-year events and stuff in the script. About 500 years ago. Um, the church had been separated by and large from the word. It was something that the priests had and the prophets had, but the regular people in church didn't. And the, the church at the time inserted itself between God and people. And that was never the, what the church was supposed to be. You're, you have in, in Christ a direct access to God. You, you have Holy Spirit in you. you. The church is to equip and to build and to do those things. But it's not to be, well, I have to go to the church to get to God. I have direct access to God in Christ. I go to the church so that I can walk out in love and walk out in my gifts and connect with other folks and build each other up. And it's part of the mission. But they had changed it. And then you, you have to give some thanks to A. Martin Luther for challenging the system and B. to the printing press for coming along right as Martin Luther challenged the system so that all of a sudden we had access and to countless number of people who were martyred because they were insisting on translating the scripture into everyday language. So many people were killed for that because why? Well, they liked the separation so that they could say and do whatever they wanted. That's kind of the problem. And that's why everybody needs to read it. And so it's good to have people explain it to you and, and, and help you understand it. That's important. But if you haven't read it for yourself, someone can say something that's not a, what it means. And you don't have any way of checking for yourself. And so everybody, the scripture is for everyone. Again, my encouragement, everybody needs to read this. As a believer, you, you, and you just have to make a decision, I'm going to read it. I, I, you know... I think, did I say this earlier? Ask Holy Spirit. I did. I, somebody had reminded me of something I said a couple of years ago. They actually kept the bulletin from the day that I, I encouraged them when they sit down to read the word to think of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I'd forgotten I'd said it until just then. But it's another great way to think. And he said he's been doing that now. And now he's read through the Bible twice all the way through. Always thinking of being at the feet of Jesus. And so these are just stories of encouragement. I want to encourage you. That you, you read in the scripture and uh, that you continue to plug into it. And, and what should happen is that the word should impact your life. It should make a difference in how you live. It, it has to. Uh, as we read the scripture and yield to the Holy Spirit, we're changed from the inside out. It's just not an outward change. A lot of people settle for trying to clean up the outside of the temple. But God always wants to work on the inside. And so they, they, they read the scripture and, and something actually pretty amazing happens in uh, chapter 23, verse 21. The king uh, gives this order to all the people. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in the book of the covenant. Neither in the days of the judges who led Israel nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been Observed, But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Now, this is a huge deal if you're reading through this. It says in there, not since the days of the judges, 
The days of the judges would have been 1400 to 1100 BC. So for at least 400 years, no Passover had been celebrated. Now, why am I saying that's such a big deal? Well, when you read through Leviticus, and we've talked about Leviticus lots of times, I always tell you in Leviticus, there's one chapter that they all should have known. It was Leviticus 23. Because that that lists the seven feasts of Israel that they were commanded to observe. And, And they were to observe them every year, these seven feasts, the first one being Passover. So when you read that there hasn't been Passover, you're like, they've, somehow they've actually even stopped celebrating the feast. And what was the idea behind the feast? It constantly would remind them of the story of God. When they got together and talked about Passover, they talked about what happened at Exodus. So they were plugged in to the story. Each feast had meaning. And prophetically, each of those seven feasts that we talk about were all pointing at Jesus in one way, shape, or form. And, and, and so that when Jesus came and starts fulfilling these feasts, um, they, they should have had a big clue. And not many did, but some did. Uh, that he was actually Messiah. You say, what do you mean? Well, Passover. When Jesus comes, he actually fulfills perfectly Passover to the day of when it was to happen. And there's three feasts that go right off together, boom, over the same weekend. And it's Passover, unleavened bread, and early first fruits. And they all happen on that weekend. And Jesus fulfills each one. Passover lamb, sacrificed, unleavened bread, broken, and early first fruits, the first uh, among many, right? So he, he hits them to the day, boom. Three feasts fulfilled. Next feast is Pentecost, 50 days later. Guess what happens 50 days later? Holy Spirit shows up and fulfills that one. Four out of seven, perfectly fulfilled. What's the next one? Trumpets. What are we waiting on? Ta-da! 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 I said, you know, I always feel like I'm doing a bad elephant. They're not waiting on that. Trumpets. And then with trumpets, the next three come real quick. It's judgment, which fortunately Jesus has done on our behalf. So we get a pass. And then tabernacles, which is the whole thing I talk about. Coming back, everything back together. Tabernacle. Remember tabernacle in the beginning? Remember tabernacle in Exodus? Remember the picture of heaven and earth meeting together? The last feast, tabernacles. It's all there. You know the story. And, and so that's what's happening. Well, they had forgotten all that. They'd forgotten it. And they weren't celebrating it. So they celebrate Passover. And it's, the point is there that, that, see, Scripture and life should go together. There, there should be a connection. Things happen. If you want Scripture and sacrament, uh, if, if you want to look at it that way. Jesus gives the church two ordinances that we're, we're constantly talking about here. Communion and baptism. Why? They're places where that you, you see the idea of life and Scripture, the Word, coming together. should be happening lots, but you see it there. How, how do I mean? Baptism, when you get baptized, why you make such a big deal of it? You are connecting with the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and it's, it's coming to life in you as you do it. It's more than just a thing that you do. It's this connection with Scripture working out in you, and it's a connection with what Jesus did. And I told you that, that you went through, that somehow He took us with Him through His death, and, and so that we've experienced that, and into His life, that we're already beginning our eternal journey it's all because of that happening and it's a connection to see it communion we celebrate communion every service here why you connect with you know you connect with passover because uh, that's part of it but you also connect with what happened there at the last supper and amazingly at the last supper jesus takes passover and then broadens it and there's this actual sort of proposal from the 
bridegroom to us, his bride, that happens there with the passing of the cup. It's an amazing thing. And every time that we celebrate, we remember, connects us in again to the word. And so there's, we have to see that the, the word should be forming and shaping our lives in all sorts of ways. But we have those two going on. And I think about that and, and the, the Passover connection and, and communion. I'm reminded of another story. You know this story, but I think it's really good to see how Scripture and, and, and the Word coming together bring things to life. So if, if you remember, uh, in the last series, I think, or in the series before, I don't know, they all kind of blend together after a while. I, I was talking about a story with Jesus um, just after the resurrection, and it's in Luke chapter 24. And uh, he, um, it's on the trip to Emmaus. And you remember there's a couple of disciples who are heading out. They're very disappointed. It's Cleopas and another disciple. Now, I always tell you that I think, I want to clarify, I believe the other disciple is Cleopas's wife. The other disciple isn't named. Some people always go, well, how do you know that? It's not really there. If it upsets you, that that's how I'm seeing it. It's just two disciples, Cleopas and one that's not named. However, but when you read it in the whole picture of what's going on in Luke, and Luke makes comparisons to things and actually compares them kind of to another couple in the story um, that we already know. So I believe it's Cleopas and his wife, but it really doesn't matter. But I'm going to keep going that way. All right. So Cleopas and his wife have been in Jerusalem for the week of the triumphal entry of Jesus. They, they thought this was it. So God understand. That's how they were understanding the story. Jesus is coming. He's coming into Jerusalem. This is the time. He's finally going to overthrow the Romans. We've seen all the miracles he can do. We know who he is. We know he's Messiah. He's coming in to set everything right. It's what we've been waiting for. Let's go. We've got to be in Jerusalem. So they're in Jerusalem, and they go to Jerusalem, and the opposite of what they expected to happen happens. He's, he's arrested. He's tortured. He's put on a cross. He dies, and they see him put in a tomb. And... and it's just not what they were expecting, a dead Messiah. Like, and there had been other ones. That, and they were, they were shocked. They were disappointed. And so they, they leave. They leave Jerusalem on, on that day, on that Sunday. Uh, it, it picks up in story, and I'm going to kind of breeze through it because it's a lot of scripture. That same day, they were going back home to a village, uh, Emmaus, about seven miles away. It was a pretty good journey. Uh, they would be walking. They were talking with one another, Philippus and his wife, about everything that happened. And as they talked... Uh, Jesus comes up and walks with him. I love that, and, and that should impact you. That's resurrection day. Jesus has just defeated death. You know, he's done that whole thing where he's taken all of the mess that, that I talk about in one spot onto the cross. He's died. He took it down. And then he's shown the enemy who he really is by defeating the enemy's power, which is death. He's risen. And, and I always think, I would just be like, woo! And Jesus is concerned about Cleopas and his wife who are disappointed because it didn't go the way they wanted. And how does he spend the big part of his afternoon, Resurrection Day, walking down the street with Cleopas and his wife? And he shows up and they don't recognize him at first and it says kept there, but it's really not. It's because he's, he's Jesus and they, they, they sort of connect with it. They'll say that later, but he's different somehow and that's because he's just defeated death and this is new Resurrection Jesus and it's pretty spectacular what's happening. And that's some of the stuff we get to look forward to uh, in new physical bodies. So they, they, they sort of recognize him, but they don't. And he says, you know, what are you talking about? And uh, as you're walking along and they're kind of downcast. Uh, I love this question. Cleopas, uh, he, sorry. he says uh, to Jesus, it's so funny, the Bible. 
Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Why is that funny, Steve? Because someone who has no clue of what's going on just said to someone who is the only one who really knows what's going on, don't you know what's going on? That's really funny stuff, guys. It's, it's amazing. And I love Jesus because Jesus, what things? Do you love Jesus? Do you ever read like this? What things? You know, you know everything. It's about Jesus. <laughs> he, was, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, but the chief priests and our rulers handed them over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Everything we'd hoped for, everything we thought. We'd hoped he was the one. He was Messiah. We were sure of it. And it's the third day since all this took place. And it's, it, this morning, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb and they, they had some sort of angelic visitation and the tomb was empty. And, and, they, they were, and, and some of our friends, they went running to go and see and the tomb was empty, but they didn't, they didn't see anything else. And, and uh, Jesus says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory. And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. This is a huge moment. Remember I've been telling you the whole last series that the Hebrew scriptures are all about Jesus, point to Jesus, Jesus is revealed in them, he, he fulfills them, all those things, and Jesus comes and tells them the story. And I've said this, I'm sure I've said it before, you may have heard me say, I, I hope that we get to watch it at some point in time. That It's on the, the, the most amazing high def recording and you could just plug it in and watch it because I'd be interested but maybe we'll just know it when they get there and as they get close to home so he's been with them on this journey um, Jesus acts like he's going to keep going but they invite him in because that's Jesus he doesn't push his way in you invite him in you see I'd love to come in have a little dinner with you and when he was at the table with them connection point he takes bread breaks it and gives it to him and then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from the sight. That's when they connected. That's when it clicked. And, and all of a sudden it was a connection. It was a connection with Last Supper. It was a connection with Passover. All these things started happening. And, and you know, there's deeper connections than that. I love, I love that little picture there. That, that uh, their eyes were opened. And if you think about what's happening at communion and the, the whole verbs that are used there, take, give, eat, and it'll take you all the way back, not only to what Jesus did at Last Supper, but what happens at the fall. Because remember, it's the opposite there. Because Eve takes, gives, and eat. And, and the consequences of that are uh, sin and death and everything enters in the world. And Jesus does the opposite and takes all the consequences at the Last Supper. And then when he points to it here, and remember, back at the fall, when they, when they did what they shouldn't have done, their eyes were open too, the scripture says, and they suddenly realized they were naked and they hid because of the shame and everything that happened. But now, here, with uh, Jesus connecting after the resurrection, when their eyes are open, suddenly they know him who takes away shame and fear. You see how the scripture just ties together and is so amazing? And it changes them because... They say, look, weren't we, weren't we burning in our hearts when we were walking with him? We knew something was going on, especially when he was opening the scripture to us. And then here's where you see a huge change. They get up at once. It's nighttime and they go back to Jerusalem. It's a journey, guys. It's, a, it's not a quick little seven mile. And it's nighttime. It's dangerous to be walking on the streets at night. And they go back because they have to go and tell the rest of the disciples that they've seen Jesus and what's going on. And that they recognized him when he broke the bread. 
connections happen. When the, when the scripture in your life connect, things begin to change. And that's why I'm just encouraging you to plug in, to read the word, and to just take the journey, and to let it just resound in you. So keep plugging in. Next week we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8. And we're going to see another big point in, in history when the word makes this big impact so that we get a hold of it and we'll continue to press in. But that's good for today. Alice, my love, would you please come and let's, uh, let's invite Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. And then, uh, and then we'll close. Holy Spirit, won't you come and uh, have your way here and move among us. Meet us at the point of our need. You're so amazing. And, and would you come? And, and for those who are this morning today, would you bring comfort? You're the comforter. Would you come and comfort each person there? For those who are weary today, would you come and bring strength? I just I, I get a sense of of someone just being fed up. And, and I, I just feel like um, the Lord's going to come and give you peace. And that, that you just need to fix your eyes on Him and not on circumstances. And, and He will give you peace. And it will take that sort of feeling away that you've been going through. Holy Spirit, would you come? For those who are sick today, would you bring healing? Would you just meet them at the point of whatever's going on and bless them and heal them and touch them? Come, Holy Spirit. Come and deepen your work that you're doing in our hearts. There's somebody that's going through some panic attacks. I don't know if you're here or if you're online, but the Lord wants to just still you today and bless you. And if that's something that you can relate to, Father, I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would come and pour over them. Bring peace, Father, in Jesus' name. And put an end to those panic attacks. Thank you, Father. Last week I prayed for marriages, and I still think that's really relevant. And I'm going to pray for that again. But Miss Alicia gave me a, gave me a picture she got from the Lord that deepens it a little bit for us. And she saw papers stapled together. She saw a corner of the paper where the staple was stapled together. And she felt like everything that you've been through lately... All this time, you've been through a lot. It's been hard, but God's stapling your marriage together. You're coming together, and it can't be undone. And if that's something that any of you can relate to, I just want to pray that blessing of being stapled together in Jesus' name over you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All of this amazing story starts with Jesus, and I say it every week, but I will keep saying it. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... You need to. He's done everything at the cross that needs to happen. Our part is to believe it and then confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. That's really how we do it. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? That's how your journey with him starts. Best decision you will ever make. There's nothing else like it. And uh, it starts with that. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And if you're doing that for the first time, um, you know, let me know. If you're doing it online, text the word HEART to 305-745-7513 just so we can celebrate with you and we know what's going on. But do that. It's the best decision you will ever make. 
Thank you again, church, for your amazing generosity, for your faithfulness to give and to tithe and your offering and, and all of the amazing things that you do. That's how you do that uh, online, uh, and, you know, uh, digitally or, or mailing in. So thank you for that. Offering boxes are up front here for those of you that are with us here today. Let's sing the dexolid, doxology. I don't know what the dexology is. But I don't want to sing it. We'll do the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly throne. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Please head out these doors uh, so you don't have to touch anything. There are Samaritan's uh, shoebox stuff out there if you're interested in that. Looks like a nice day. Have a great day. Get out there. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.